On the half shell, they're the heroes for In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high with muggings mysterious All police and detectives are furious cause they can't Welcome back frustrated fans the first turtle month uh, This is episode 54 I'm your host Pete uh, I'm your other host Jeremy And go ninja, go ninja, go! You're going to do that for every episode, aren't you? Yes, 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 I am! Alright, calm down, Vanilla. <laughs> or do you prefer ice? Ice, ice, baby? We're here to end the Star Turtle Month to talk about the... Unof- well, I, is it officially the fourth movie? Unofficially? What well, do you it's, the fourth call movie. it's the fourth theatrical released movie. Fair enough. <laughs> Yep, TMNT, the first theatrical attempt at bringing the turtles back after a long absence. Sort of. I mean, this came out in 2007, and at the time, the... I'm checking on this. Yeah, the 03 series was running. No, that's why I said theatrical attempt. Oh. Whoops. <laughs> so this, uh, what, what do we? How do we even start with this? Effectively, well, briefly before we begin, I think we've said enough that uh, yes, both of us enjoy this franchise wholeheartedly. Yep. It's kind of near and dear to my twisted black little heart. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we are both enjoying the new, um, the newest iteration of the cartoon. Yes, um, after we did the episode on the Rat King, I went and watched all. At like every single released episode at the time in a week. <laughs> As our brony friends would say, welcome to the jungle. Well, not heard, but welcome to the jungle. We've got Ninja <laughs> Turtles. So, <laughs> yeah, this came out in 2007. I can remember being pretty psyched about it. The trailer actually looked pretty authentic. Uh, Ninja Turtles at the time. If you haven't seen the teaser trailer, basically sh- um, showed the four-inch silhouette jumping over rooftops as they tend to do, and then it flips down to an alleyway where Donnie la- r- r- lands first, twirls his bow in an awesome fashion, Raft lands next, does his thing with his size, Leo lands third, does his huge epic, uh, well not epic, his graceful sword stats, and ends with his close-up of him scowling and this his shores shining, and then you hear you hear a, a high-pitched yell and Mikey lands in the dumpster next to them. <laughs> With, I'm okay! <laughs> so, this came out uh, was in, let's see, March 23rd, 2007, in the wide release. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I didn't see it at the time in... In theaters, I did wait for DVD. I'm a terrible fan for that, but... Yeah, I didn't see it. I was also in co- We were... This was tail end of college, and... Well, we were both poor college students. Yeah. So... Yeah, this was... Uh, actually, this was shortly after I had started working at GameStop. I'm sorry. And I had just spent... Uh, saved money on the $600 PlayStation 3. <laughs> <laughs> My things have changed. I wasn't seeing... Uh, any movies at that point, but yeah, no, I didn't see this in theaters either. Um, I remember when it came out, I wasn't uh, gung ho to go see it, and because I didn't, I was not watching the 2003 show, nor was I. Yeah, at this point, anyway. The only real like connection I had with that show was I played the first two games that came out based off of it, uh, which was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the PS2, and then the god-awful Ninja Turtles 2 Battle Nexus, also in the PS2, which I forced two of my friends to play through with me so we could unlock the original arcade game. <laughs> you had your priorities. Oh, yeah. We did it in one sitting, too. Very nice. Yeah, that was great. It's like the... We, uh... What was it? A couple of years back, Jeremy and I, we blazed through all of Halo 4 and stopped, like, like literally in the last stage, because I think we... The connection died. And we eventually went back and finished it, but yeah. Yep. Well, I the t- God, the worst one was when we beat Halo Anniversary, and the connection <laughs> crapped out right at the ending cutscene, and the game didn't register that we had beaten it. Oh, oh that was bullcrap. 
Yeah, but we suffered through the library together. Oh, and yeah, still have that. nightmares. Yeah, we suffered through as you randomly blew me up with grenades. Tucker did it. <laughs> I, I I remember that. We'll get back on topic right after this, but we I, I remember the height of that was we were in a hallway. You threw a grenade. And there was a billion of them sitting on the ground, and all of a sudden this fireball just projected me into a wall. <laughs> and I just shouted, what the fuck? Just fire everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe it was followed with a very meekish, Tucker did it. <laughs> <laughs> but back on topic, like we both said, neither of us have been watching the O3 series. Although I did watch like the first season or two of it, and... Again, for any other Turtle fans out there, the O3 series is, it's okay. It's, it was a nice, closer return to the the comics, and it was pretty good, but it got weird at the end. Yeah, I, th- honestly, the only full episode I've seen is the one we did for the Rat King special. Yeah, and we may return to it sometime, because... Maybe, um, but we'll, yeah. so we'll double. Yeah, the we'll only other that. connection, like the only other way I've really seen it is with our one of our upcoming reviews, which is Turtles Forever. Yes, it is. So this film, this is the summary from Wikipedia, mind you. This film, film sees the four turtles grow apart after their final defeat of the Shredder. When strange things are happening in New York City as ancient creatures threaten the world, what? <laughs> and the turtles must reunite to save it. Okay, <laughs> Let's get this out of the way real quick. This does not feel like a Turtles movie if you really look at the plot. It, it's it got the characters, and they've got their personalities, but this literally feels like a movie someone crammed the four boys into. Yeah, it kind of feels like two separate movies that just happen to like collide most of, most of the way through. Like, you've got really, yeah. the plot of ancient dude one, finding monsters and stuff. And you've got the plot of the turtles trying to work together again, and that just happens, they just happen to connect near the end of the movie. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, it, it it's kind of shoehorned in with the, the turtles being in this. Not, it, I mean, it, it's not a bad movie. Let's say this outright. Yeah. We'll get to our... It's it's nowhere near TMT three bad, although that can be fun for other reasons. It's not as bad as uh, Bertles, as mm. I call it. I prefer Bay Turtles, but I, I, so no. I like Bertles because you say less of his name. Uh, <laughs> well, I draw mine from everyone who calls the Bay form what oh. is known as Bay form. Oh yeah, so. I, I just like Bertles. That's funny. <laughs> so we're introduced to the thing. The first thing we get um, is Lawrence Fishburne, of all people, narrating. <laughs> Where the heck did that come from, by the way? I don't know, but he, the check must have cleared, so he was part of it. so, and he narrates the beginning of the movie, and then nothing else, Not none of the rest of the movie's narrated. Bye! In fact, the very end of the movie, there is a little bit of narration, but Raphael does it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was nice seeing you, Lawrence. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> So Lawrence basically tells us what any turtle fan would already know. Yes, the four brothers raised named, in the sewers and named mutated after Renaissance and, painters. Trained, and trained as ninjas. Okay, and and then we get then, this exposition about this ancient warlord and his brotherhood and them trying to take over the world. And of course, un- no, 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 no. We need we need to stop doing that and like do Pinky in the Brain every time that comes up. <laughs> it's Winters and the Stone. Winter's hand stone. <laughs> yeah, so this uh, Winter's guy, he, he's out to take over the world, and he does it, and some, we were told that these this constellation of stars comes into alignment every 13,000 years. I thought it was 3,000. Oh, whatever. Yeah, who cares? And <laughs> it, the energy from the stars can open a portal into another dimension, yeah. but it's not Dimension X. Oh. So, and yeah, that's a thing. 13 monsters that have roamed the world for all 3,000 of those years, yet and we don't Winter's hear of them until nobody's heard from them until this movie starts. So while this portal doodad uh, apparently gives Winter's immortality, there can be only one! <laughs> and if only he was voiced turned... by Sean Connery. Oh, I know, right? It would have been so um, much fun! And we could have so many Highlander jokes. 
But um, it turns his four BFFs to stone. Yep. So what you're saying is he is the last. (laughs) (laughs) I approve. Thank you. Um, And uh, basically it wipes out the rest of his army, so he's kind of left alone. And And nobody knows the trouble he's seen. (laughs) But where this picks up, we'll get to after the first break. Sounds good. Four turtles. Four brothers. Genetically reborn in the sewers of New York. Named after the great Renaissance masters. And trained as ninjas. So, flash forward to modern day in central... Before we get to that, sorry. I need to actually address this. I may have actually joked about the whole Highlander connection, but... If you really rework this just a little, this could be actually a very plausible explanation for that franchise on the source of the Immortals. I'm not. I'm totally serious here. Um, this whole energy from the planet could be what gives birth to it Immortals, and the reason that uh, reason that they have to fight each other, so the prize, so that essentially they can a- a- essentially access this portal again. So there can only be one. And the reason they don't fight on holy ground, well, I don't know, maybe the original source of the energy was a holy site for one religion or another. See, the thing is, if you actually look at the original backstory for the whole Immortals thing in Highlander 2, every, and it, they are aliens from the planet Zeist, who get their own mortality only because they're on Earth. I am not making this up. <laughs> So this could have been a kick-ass Highlander movie. Yep, instead it was a instead it was a mediocre Ninja Turtles movie. So we were flash forwarding. Yep. So we flash forward to modern day. All right, in Central America. And what? Not New York. Not New York. We're in the jungle, the mighty jungle, where Leonardo <laughs> apparently haunts the night. So he's the jungle ghost, apparently. Yeah, people think he's a jungle ghost. Um, and before you, well, this could make a really good joke for a phantom setup, but I'm not feeling it. <laughs> nah, moving on. So we find out so, yeah. that Splinter sent Leonardo down to Central America. Well, April's kind of exposition fairy here. Yeah. So she find and April's there doing. I really have no idea. Apparently, she's an ar- a quasi archaeologist now, who gets uh, valuable artifacts. You know, April has always been into artifact collecting. That's a... It belongs in a museum. <laughs> so she finds Leo and uh, chats and kind of gives a little exposition of how Leo, she's what's going like, on. Leo, you could have come home a year ago. Yeah, and he and Leo's like Splinter sent me down here to be a better leader, and I had a few, as you've seen, I had a few random questions throughout this entire movie. And my very yeah. first one was, why did Splinter send Leo down to Central America to be a better leader? How does being thousands of miles away from the team you lead help you lead them better? Um, well, I'm of two minds on this. And here's the thing about the movie that really bugs me. We don't know what continuity this is in. Yeah. Now, it's implied it's implied that this is from the general movie continuity, like from the 90s. Okay, fine. I'll bite. They do show both the like the movie Shredder mask and the Time Scepter in Splinter's trophy case at the end of the movie. Sure, fine. Um, why, if that's the case, what is Splinter thinking? Leo was a f- decent leader uh, in all three movies, even if he did nothing in the third one. Literally, he has almost next to no screen time, and it's a Raph or it's a Mikey story. Weirdly, and with Raph with a minor arc, yeah, it's, it's, and Don's there for exposition only. It's been a while since I've seen three. Uh, I, it, I, I can. Re- that's the one I remember, remember the least it. out of them. So okay, fine, I'll bite. It's mainstream movie community continuity. And then there's other fans who claim this was actually supposed to be tied into the O three, O three animation series. Okay, fine, I can actually grant this. I looked this up. About this time in the animated series, Leo was losing it. He was so frustrated with their inability to put Shredder six feet under, as he kept coming back to life. Long story. Um, there that could be only one, become, apparently. 
he was um Leo he was losing his temper a lot. He was angry with himself and his brothers a lot. And even to the point that Raph was calling him out on his temper. So the idea that Splinter sends Leo down here for a couple of months to cool off and refocus, hey, I could buy that. But there's nothing here to indicate that this is part of the animated continuity. It sure as hell makes a lot more sense, especially with April, because she... Uh, April in the movie continuity is an established reporter. She's fine. She doesn't need to open her own archaeology business. April in the cartoon, we really don't know what she does during the day, so that could totally be part of it. That being said, this still makes no sense. Absolutely, I completely agree. Yeah. And so then we find out that... Uh, the th- we go with through what the other three are doing. Yep, Mikey is... <laughs> Which this this one is actually kind of fun. It, that kind of make me laugh. Yeah, yeah, where he puts on a fake turtle outfit, which I love. The outfit is essentially he puts on a big fake turtle mask, and he just kind of like puts a zipper over his normal shell <laughs> with soft foam nunchucks, and he lets kids beat up on him at birthday parties. Yep. Which you know that one actually kind of reminds me of how in like Ghostbusters two. Um, Winston and Ray, like, you know, go to kids' parties to make some money. Yeah. Hey, I'm... And then we see Donnie, and who's supposed to be this tech genius, is running a phone tech support line. And apparently he doesn't enjoy it. No. <laughs> no. But speaking of someone who has worked IT support, I feel his pain. <laughs> Especially when I love the line, like, no, sir, I'm not playing hard to get. That isn't this kind of line. <laughs> Oh, the sad part is that he gets the most dialogue in this scene. Yeah, Donnie is not in this movie. I mean, he's there, he blinks, and maybe says something, but kind of like the very first movie, where he was kind of a foil to Mikey, he doesn't do much. Yeah, and also, if you look at the poster for this movie, he's the smallest one on it. Every, like, Leo and Raph are at the forefront with Mikey a little bit behind them, and then way in the back, in, like, dead center of it, but very small, is Donatello. All right. Then you have other questions. Why does Splinter wear shoulder pads? Yeah, he kind of looks kind of doofy with them. Yeah, this is not the best design for Splinter we've had. Yeah. I'll say that much. And, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not the Still w- better than the next mutation. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not the worst... But, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I think the turtles look really good in this movie. Um, but Splinter is definitely a low point on the character designs. And then, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, why don't they fight crime anymore? Yeah, it, it does. It, apparently after the foot were defeated, yay, all crime is done. Yeah, which Raph points out. Which brings us to Raph, yeah, yeah. It's not, and we find out that he is fighting crime, wearing a big metal suit. And calling himself the Night Watcher. He's Batman. He's Batman. <laughs> He's Raph Man. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, apparently Raph is actually showing some wisdom in actually wearing some tangible armor. Yeah, we... As going out and still being a vigilante while everyone else doesn't... Everyone else doesn't care. Yeah. Which, or won't go out and do it. Which this and starts... He, instead of size, he's using chains. Yeah, this starts the uh, pattern in this movie of Raph is the only one with a brain... Like, he seems to be the only one who, one, cares about what's going on outside of their little their little home, and he's the only one that actually kind of makes sense throughout this movie. Well, that brings... We need to address this anyway. The It's obvious that the writers and producers of this movie have a huge fandom boner for Raph. Yeah. And, hey, I get it. Raph is a lot. There's four turtles here. People, people are going to draw... Tend to... Tend to a drift to one or another. I personally like Donnie the best, but I understand why people like Raph. Mm-hmm. I know you were a Leo fan. Yep. So, fine. Fair enough. But why are we focusing on Raph again? If this is in movie continuity, as the movie itself tries to establish, we've dealt with Raph twice over now. Movie 1 is all about him. Movie 2, he is the secondary arc. Movie 3, he's a secondary arc where he's trying to teach some little kid not to fall into the pit of anger he's fallen into. Why are we doing another rap story? Is he's cool but rude? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And so, after that, it 
We find out April delivers a big stone statue to this guy, Winters, who looks suspiciously like the warlord dude from that big flashback that nobody seemed to probably care about. And he outright tells April that this stone generals are his, like his family. Yep. Hmm. Hmm. The plot thickens. Or at least this no. plot line thickens. And so, so shortly after they leave, I had a question when I first saw this movie. Who the heck is this woman leading the Foot Clan? So, I never read the comics, and I never saw the O3 series. I had no idea who Karai was. No. And we'll explain Karai after the next break. Okay. Uh, how bad could it be? Donnie's probably got everything under control. Sir? Uh, sir? Uh, sir? Did you turn the computer on? Have you plugged it in? Yeah, that would help. No, I'm not playing hard to get. I'm telling you, sir, it's not that kind of phone line. Uh, I'm not your enemy. I'm just Donnie, your friendly IT tech support, here to help you 24 hours a day, sir. Yeah, I'm sorry, ma'am. <laughs> and we're back. So, Kurai, for anyone not in the know, was a character introduced late in the original series, Mirage series run. Essentially, she's actually, in the original comic, she actually outranks Shredder. And when Shredder's second death in the comics, <laughs> long story, um, causes the foot to fall into chaos and the entire city in an entire gang war, Karai basically comes over from Japan, enlists the turtles by basically telling him, hey, you kind of are inherently responsible for this by cutting off the head of a major crime organization. Uh, they basically bring they bring order back to the chaos of the gang wars and the foot is back in the Back on top, and Cry is forgiven the revenge debt against the turtles for killing Shredder. Hmm. And that's basically her character. Yeah. In the O3 series, she's reworked, uh, whereas Shredder's adopted daughter and his second in command. Fine, I can work with that. And then this weird movie continuity? Uh... She leads the Foot Clan, and that's all we know! And she has a mm -hmm. cool design. Yeah, I, I will say this. I'm like, I don't know who this is. She looks cool, but I don't know who she is. And unfortunately, I think her name is only spoken once in the entire movie. Yeah. So it's even then, like, if you're going in as like someone like me who didn't read the comics, who just knew the cartoon in the movies, you're not going to know who she was, uh, who she is. And by the end of the movie, you're still not really going to know who she is. No. And so they really don't go into her character at all. No. And so Winters is like, I want you to patrol the city. Be my eyes and ears. I have some friends coming to town. And uh, he goes, you'll know them when you see them. And we eventually find out they're mo the friends are monsters. And I know CinemaSins pointed this out in the everything wrong with for this movie, but I'm sorry, it does bear repeating. Why didn't he tell them they were looking for monsters? Like, I totally get it. Was, so the scene, the way the scene ends looks like he explains it afterwards, which that's fine. Keep the audience in suspense, even though they spoiled the monster thing at the beginning of the movie, which we'll get to that. Um, yeah, the, the whole opening narration thing was unnecessary, but we'll get to that. Yeah, and it's like, it's fine being cryptic to keep the audience's suspense, but then there's just bad writing like this. It's stupid. So, yeah, so Leonardo finally comes back, and uh, during this time, though, we f Casey Jones finds uh, the Night Watcher and goes, you fooled everyone else. You haven't fooled me, Raph. And Raph's like, how'd you know? And he goes, well, you look like a big metal turtle. And as we find out later on, Casey is one of the better lines. Yeah, <laughs> just like that. Casey gets a lot of good one-liners in this movie. I think this might be my favorite iteration of Casey Jones. I don't disagree with that. Yeah, he's really so, good. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Twelve series, but that is not my favorite. Casey. No, <laughs> that one has more depth than the one in the '87 show. I'll definitely say that. <laughs> <laughs> but the one in the 87 show is just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really know anything about the one in the 2003 show. It's pretty close to what you see here, honestly. Mm. He's an ally and hot-headed like Raph, but he's generally a good guy. Yep. Um, so Leonardo comes back and 
Splinter's like, welcome back, Leonardo. And he's like, now you're going to be the perfect leader. I totally trust you. Bye now. You can't fight until I tell you to. Yeah, you're not allowed to fight. Don't go up above ground and fight things. So they do. So they go up above ground, and uh, and Raphael's Raph's like, nice. screw you, whatever, I'll do what I want, because he's Raphael, and apparently that's the default oh. writing for him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. of course, since Leonardo's been away from the team and doesn't really, hasn't interacted with them apparently in over a year, or even more, uh, he's not that great of a leader, and Raphael's not really keen to follow his directions, because honestly, why would he? And I do like well, it that uh, when they find the first monster and it's beating the crap out of the foot, Michelangelo actually has the best comment of, this is fun to watch, why should we get involved? Yeah. <laughs> Which, I, you know what? When Mikey starts talking sense, you know there's a problem. Yeah, well... Yeah. I mean, when Leo comes back, Raph is obviously not happy to see him. No. Well, he isn't, he isn't. I mean, if you know anything about the character of Raph, he is probably the one who cares about his brothers the most, but he he does project an air of whatever. Yeah, which I think the 2012 show does a really good job of handling that, where Mm. you see, like, Mikey gets on his nerves, but, like, the minute Mikey gets hurt in battle, Raph is the very first one to, like, freak out over it and, like, start fighting back to protect him. Or when he's he's the first, he's the one to keep vigil on Leo when Leo got jacked up at the end of season two. Yep, and, like, keep and, with him once he wakes up and everything and help him train, trying to help him feel better. No, I I think that version is the, I think that's the best version of Raph, honestly. Hell, we even sell this in the current run of the ID comics. The closest any of them have ever been to death was Donnie was basically had a shell beaten in by that version of Bebop and Rocksteady. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. And, right, he was an inch from death, and um, he is saved. Long, It's a long story, but when Donnie returns back to the fight, I mean, Raph just kind of totally breaks down and goes into geek out mode and hugging him, and it's like, he's so glad he's back. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah, and so which brings me to my next question: Why did Splinter think Leo would be the perfect leader after being away for X amount of time? Wouldn't leader training involve, you know, just throwing out the idea, leading people? Consideration of Splinter sucks. Yeah, as well as to address this right now, Splinter in his various incarnations he ranges from like indulgent dad to strict sensei, and even the character itself has. There are moments when he's definitely being a dad, and there's definitely when he's being a, a teacher. The 87 series definitely leaned towards the teacher end. Yeah. Uh, whereas the tw- the 03 series, yeah, definitely a mix. And the 12 series, I would say he's got a lot of good dad moments. Yeah, it's, it's a very good mixture. This one is strict teacher Pretty much all the way through. Yeah, there's a couple of moments here and there where he acts like a father, um, like when he's mm-hmm. talking to Raph very late in the movie. But, yeah. And he's not and, a very good teacher in this movie, either. Well, it's, it's one of my major points to address here, but, look, any competent teacher would realize that, or even Dad would realize that, Leo doesn't. Leo and Raph both don't need a teacher right now. They need a dad. So... Mm-hmm. And he, he's trust, Splinter is trusting them to work it out on their own. And if he knows his son's as little as he's happy, well, he should have. Yeah, yeah. And hey, we find out how well that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the foot, you know, Karai and the Foot Clan are like, go back to Winter's. Like, dude, WTF? Why don't you tell us about the freaking monsters? And he's like, well, I hired you to look around. These are the muscle, dude. Like, this is the muscle. You find the monsters, they'll capture them. All high stone generals who are somehow alive, even though they're turned to stone. Yeah, so he uses we, technology yeah. to bring them back to life. And Is it tech? I always read it as kind of like a magic do- doohickey. Oh, I wasn't sure. Because he, like, inserted something, like, onto their chest, and it, like, randomly goes, like, ving, ving. Right. So, I don't know. I thought it was tech. Fair enough. Um, so, the Foot Clan helped them find the monsters and continue to get their ass kicked asses kicked by the monsters, which I have to ask, why are the foot even bothering to try to fight the monsters if the stone people can literally just one shot knock them out? And 
I, Stone isn't invincible either, so... Yeah. So, they do all that. Uh, Raphael and Casey Jones go on a little uh, patrol, and they find one of the monsters, and then they find the stone monsters, and Casey gets another good one-liner where he looks at Raph and goes, You know I only have a wooden bat, right? (laughs) (laughs) And then when it steps on his mask, he's like, That's like the third one this week! Just this is whole honestly, I, I really like this version of Casey. I really like his snark throughout the movie. Oh, absolutely. And it's played by Chris Evans who Yep. You know, this is pre Captain America, so Yeah. This is actually uh just post Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. The first Fantastic Four movie was two thousand five. So So he does a really good job. Yeah. But we'll get to VAs overall. Oh yeah. And then So the plot continues with uh <laughs> Raph and Raph saying basically he Raph and Leo come to a head and Raph's like I I, I don't care what you say man I'm doing my own thing yeah, I believe his example is I'm done taking orders I quit yeah so he gets pissed um, they then find out, out that the stone dudes are connected to Winters because Casey points out the stone guys and their connection and Donnie with one of the <laughs> few really good lines he gets in this movie he goes this. Like, this has Winter's name all over it. Well, how do you figure? This dart literally has his name all over it. Yeah, the dart, the dart literally has Winter Co. or something, Winter Inc., whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that was really it. good. <laughs> Which, just to point out, like, a little animation thing I liked, when they use those darts, you actually see them, like, compress and then, like, inject, like, the knockout fluid in them. Which I thought but, that was a nice well, little touch. We need to take our next break. Okay. This thing is going to run out of bodies. Yeah, so? You think we should help these guys? I'd rather enjoy the show. What do you say, fearless leader? I say we stop talking! We're back. And so, one of the big things the director in promos for this movie is that he promised fans we'd finally learn... uh, who was the better fighter with the whole Leo versus Raph thing? Oh, and it comes up after Raph actually knocks around one of the monsters, or gets knocked uh, in a diner. What? <laughs> or and gets knocked around? Oh yeah, that, that is one of the funnier moments too. I love that scene. I just, just oh. Raph fighting this little gremlin oh. creature thing while a re- like oh a, you want a, a butt kicking little Phil. Betty plays Phil. in the background. Oh, oh no, I love the ain't you cute? You want a little butt kicking, don't you, little fellow? I want to drop kick you to Hurdy Town. <laughs> yep, and then the thing just kicks his ass. Yeah, well, oh, he God. still beats it, but still. Yeah, but he just he throws a smoke pellet into its mouth and it jumps out a window and runs away screaming, like it's a hot pepper. Yeah, yep, that was great. So after all that, Raph is confronted by Leo, and Leo has no idea it's Raph, although. If Casey could see through it. Yeah. Casey is one of the smarter guys in this movie. Leo is like, oh, the entire time there's been build-up where Leo keeps bad-mouthing this Night Watcher hero because he's being a bad vigilante. And I'm like, dude, you're a vigilante. (laughs) You've always been a vigilante. (laughs) I do like it, though, when he's like, this Night Watchman guy. Night Watcher. Whatever. So Leo's out to – he's just going to confront the Night Watcher and says, like, okay, you need to walk away now because – Blah, 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 blah. blah I'm blah, the blah, better. Blah. And Raph is even like, is he freaking lecturing me? <laughs> like, I did like that reaction where he's expecting a fight and he's like, he's lecturing me. That's <laughs> <laughs> And so then the two of them have a short little fight where Raph uh, can't seem to hit him. And so – and then Leo in a – uncharacteristically cocky jerk-ass kind of moment, like, starts taunting him and making fun of him and then knocks the helmet off and goes, Raph? Oh, my God! And so then we get, after a little bit of dialogue, in the rain, no less, this awesome, awesome fight between Leo and Raph. Although, yeah, we're spoiling this here, but Raph ultimately wins, but if Leo wanted to win, he would have. There's a point where Leo deliberately slashes right at Raph's neck, deliberately stopping the blade before it does any real damage. Raph even sees this, reacts to it, and it's like, holy crap. Yeah. 
But it's so it's such a good fight though. It's everything about it, like the animation, the style of it, the choreography for it. This this thing is just so awesome looking. And I'm impressed Rat can hold his own quite as well when I mean he's in metal armor yeah. and Lee was unencumbered. Yep. So and so it ends with Raph breaking both of Leo's swords and then running away. Um, Leo's then captured by the stone people. And because they've suddenly decided that Winters is probably going to end their immortality by breaking the curse instead of letting the demons from the world that should not be out into oh. the world so they can rule it. Oh, right, that's but, line. So they're going to they're basically going to take Leo as the 13th monster, so... Winters won't break the curse, and they can rule the world. I'd like to point out, you think after all this time, Winters would know what the monsters look like? And why did he only wake up his stone generals now? Yeah. So, and also, wouldn't he have actually looked at him first and be like, hmm, this one looks completely different from all the others. I think you guys are jerking my 3,000-year-old chain. Mm. So, Raph immediately regretting you know, leaving Leo like he did and does try to rescue him, but obviously Winter's stoner dudes get away. And Stoner dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Raph goes back home, and we get an admittedly good moment between Raph and Splinter, which is the only part of the movie I can only think of where Splinter acts like a real father. Yeah. And where Raph even says, like, how he screwed up, and he knows he screwed up, and, and he goes, like, now I realize why... You pick Leo to lead, and I, I don't. Well, <laughs> why he's your favorite, and I'm not. And he goes, and I like how Splinter says, like, just because you're not my favorite student, doesn't mean you're my least favorite son. And then I love though that then Raph goes like, but I really screwed up, and puts down the two broken swords. You know, they got him, and then Splinter's just like, oh well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I was not expecting that. <laughs> I almost wanted him to go, I was expecting you to put the Night Watcher helmet on the floor. Good God, man, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> so, Slender's like, okay, well, we gotta... Like, all right. We gotta go rescue him. The no fighting clause is gone. Time to kick some ass. And so we get April dressing up in a sexy ninja outfit in a movie for kids. Okay. Okay, point of order here. This is another reason why this should be... This really should be part of the cartoon continuity. In the 03 cartoon, April begins to learn from Splinter mm. and we, on how to be a Konoich and even handle a katana. Yep, and we do see... April in the movies never had does this. Yeah, and we do see earlier in this movie her practicing with, like, a boken. Mm-hmm. Um, so she dresses up in a ninja outfit. Casey gets in his, old, in his classic outfit, and she gives him a metal mask, which is just badass. Mm-hmm. And so the it's shiny. Yep. And I love the way they infiltrate Winter's <laughs> compound <laughs> where it's all badass. Cry in the foot or out front and she's directing them all and everything and walks up and opens the door and goes, you've got to be kidding me. And it's Casey wearing the turtle, the turtle mask going, cowabunga, dude. <laughs> oh, he is. He's being a distraction while the others climb over the wall, which you think the other foot would have seen. But eh. yeah, that. Still, that's the best distraction ever. <laughs> so how does Casey get through the door? Uh, well, probably during the fight. Yeah. Which, pretty cool looking fight with uh, all with the three turtles, Splinter, April, and Casey fighting on, taking on the foot plant. This entire horde, essentially. Yep. And so they finally get past him, get inside, and uh, they're like, all right, now they find Leo, and then all of a sudden Winters goes, Bleh! and he's like, You've got to help me. I just wanted to fix all this, and now my my stoner bros and sis are totally going to kill us. And they're like, dude, are you high? <laughs> <laughs> and so then we find out the stone people, uh, which I, I do like the fact that the one that talks the most is voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, who then eventually comes back to voice Shredder in the new show. Well, Noel North is voicing Raph, and he plays the crying yep. in the new one. And, uh, yep, so then we get, they go, like, Foot Clan, like, you should join us and you won't be harmed. And Karai's like, no, we have honor. We follow Winters right now. We we signed a contract. Yeah, we signed a contract. We have honor. And so, and they're like, so what does that mean? She goes, it means we'll help you this time. (laughs) So Karai, a couple of the Foot Ninja, 
Casey and April go out to find the final monster while we get the epic fight between the four turtles and the stone people. While Splinter just sits on the sidelines. Well, then he fights some of the monsters that start popping out of the portal. Right. He and Winters both. Yep. And uh, we get admittedly really fun fights between the stone guys and the turtles. And one of my favorite moments is when Leo's getting knocked back by one of the guys with, like, twin swords. And Leo sees, like, all these weapons around him. And then it cuts back. The monster's like, huh? And it cuts back to Leo, and he's got every sword. (laughs) (laughs) And it just looked awesome. And he even says, Come to death. Come. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a little weird. That one is also sexual. So uh, we then get a good comedy moment where April and Casey are arguing about driving, and in the back you see Karai, uh, in back of the turtle van, no less, and Karai and one of the foot ninja are just kind of sitting there, and she goes, you'd think they'd be more interested in the monster that's chasing us, and the foot ninja just kind of nods. <laughs> He's the only one to do anything, actually. None of them, the other ones even talk. Yep. <laughs> and so finally they knock all the stone people into the vortex, and all the monsters are thrown in, and kaboosh, and... Winters is like, ha ha! And no one else in the city sees any of this, even though there's a bright red light from the star <laughs> constellation going down into the building. And uh, swamp gas mixed with a weather balloon. Uh, oh. And so Winters like, I'm not immortal anymore, ha, huh? now I'm dead. And so... Uh, oh, he glows and dies. Yep, which I do like how he turns to dust, and Mikey's like, oh, I... oh God, he's in my nose! <laughs> he starts sneezing more and he's like oh god he's in my mouth too and then Karai uh, indicates oh someone from your past is coming back for the sequel that never happened yeah and so it all ends with Raphael going over to Splinter and saying I got one more thing for your little like for your collection which is like Shredder's helmet a couple other things and he puts the knife like he brings over the foam head too yep I, I like that and then it ends with the turtles are back together again Yay. Hey. <laughs> All right, so... Well, before we get into anything else, we'll take one more break. Sure. Come to Daddy. Okay, so like what we do with few, like the some of the other movies we've done, I say we do good and bad. Oh, agreed. Yeah. So, the good. The animation and design for this movie is excellent. and With one or two exceptions, yeah. but yes. Yeah. For the most part, this is a really good-looking movie, and... It's nine years later, and it still looks really good. Absolutely. Some of the human character models, and Splinter, yeah. um, kind of look a little off, but although it's not to the overall detriment of the movie. Yeah. It, it's all. It's definitely something that holds up to. And the tur- I even like the fact that they managed to work in the four different skin tones for the boys, and there's, it's subtle not to notice, but it's not distracting. Yep. To call, I agree. You know, it never really calls attention to it. Yeah. I, I like that, too. And just, like, the movements and everything. Everything's really sharp-looking in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the action sequences in this film. Um, the choreography that for them was really good. I liked, like, the fast movements. Kind of reminded me of, like, the new 2012 show. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, Raph struggling with the little monster was funny. Um, the, like I said, the Raphael-Leo battle was good, and the final battle. Those were all really fun. The animation, and of course, has a big part in this, and the music was also very good during all these sequences. Right. At least compared to, say, Team and T2, which, Secret of the Ooze, which, don't get me wrong, is still a fun movie, this actually has action in it. Where that one, the parents were all complaining from the first one, so they toned it down and had Michelangelo use salami instead of actual nunchucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, two is definitely more of, like, goofiness rather than actual fighting. And I think this one they were able to do a little bit more since it was CGI rather than, like, real people. And also it showed, like, what they could do with the CGI, like, what they could do with CGI at this point. And, mm-hmm. like, a lot more than they could do with the live-action stuff. Is I mean, don't get me wrong... The original two movies, and third one, obviously the suits weren't that great, but for the original two movies, those suits were really good for the time. Oh, they even hold up today. Yeah, like that, like those movies still look pretty solid. So, but this really showed what they could do if they could just do full on CGI animation. And then we get the voice acting, which has a little bit of up and down. Uh, For the positive, all four turtles voice actors are great. 
Even if Donnie doesn't. Yeah. Donnie doesn't have that much of a part, but to the voice actor's credit, he does a very good job for the small part that he has. And Nolan North is excellent as Raphael. I like James Arnold Taylor as Leonardo. And I like the, I also think it's funny how Mikey's voice actor, his name is Mikey. (laughs) Mako, um, this has been brought up before, um, and fans are definitely mixed on the performance of Splinter. If you've never heard, if you don't know who, have any idea what we're talking about, he's in, he's an old Hollywood veteran, and he's been in a lot of little parts over the years. And there's a lot of fans who like him, and I'm not saying he's not a bad actor. He was good as a coup in Samurai Jack, and Uncle Iroh in, for half of the Avatar The Last Airbender. And, um, he died, actually, in the middle of production of this, quite unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, Greg Baldwin did uncredited work to fill in the gaps. Yeah, which you can actually kind of hear when Greg Baldwin is doing the voice. Um, mm-hmm. During uh, Splinter's talk with Raphael, I believe that's Greg Baldwin. There's like a subtle We're difference in. between the two voices. So, I know you don't care for Mako. Fine. I don't care. Well, okay, I don't care for his performance in this movie. And I haven't really... I haven't heard him in any of his other voice roles. I barely saw any of Samurai Jack and what I did see the character wasn't that Aku wasn't in the episodes. So I didn't hear him and I Not every episode, no. Yeah, and I never watched Avatar and I probably never will because I don't care about it. So look, I'm sure he was good in those. I'm not discounting whatever and probably and whatever else he's been in. Um uh, but I didn't think he was good in this movie. And it's definitely not the route I would have cast for Splinter, the the deep, scratchy bass. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I did not think he sounded good. Um, I do think one valid complaint is Patrick Stewart in this movie. Oh. I mean, he was collecting a paycheck here. Yeah, I just... I'm I'm not going to fault him for it because actors need to work. mm -hmm. But... Yeah. Yeah. We know, we both know... Even in voices, he's way better than this. Oh, absolutely. In just straight-up voice acting, he's better than this. So it's unfortunate that... And it's also, I mean, the character, there wasn't much to him. It's just, no. like, the performance had almost no energy to it. We, well, we never find out motivations, really. Yeah. So, so. it's just, it's another, which we'll get to that problem. Um, and then I was going to complain about Karai with... Her voice actor was like the performance was really stilted and sounded off. However, I looked but, up the actress yeah. who plays her, and first of all, English is not her first language, and also apparently she's native-born Chinese and she's playing a Japanese character that's speaking English. So you know what? So, I'm not. When, I'm not going to hold that against her. Uh, no, I actually think the if she's actually supposed to be more like the Cry comic where she comes over from Japan, I'm totally fine with this. Yeah, I, I just thought, like I said, I thought the performance was very stilted. Like, it just sounded off. But, like I said, even though the performance is that great, it's very easy to understand why, so I'm not going to hold it against the voice actress. No. And, is this, and from what I looked up of her parts, this was one of her first English roles, too. So, for what it was, she I, I'm sure she tried her best in it, too. Yeah. So, now let's... I think that's everything good, right? Yeah. Then here's the bad. Oh, and the music in the movie was very good, too. Oh, yeah. No complaints. Yeah. And, yeah, basically the big problem with this movie is the story. Or yeah. it's semi-lack of or too much of it. And to be fair, this we're talking about this before the Bertles 2 comes out. Oh, now you got me saying it. <laughs> um, so, and I honestly think this is going to be the problem with Bay Turtles 2. It's too much plot trying to wrap up. Yeah. And let's, I mean, we've both seen Bay Turtles 1, and we're going to cover that at the end of the month. But the next one here is introducing not only Bebop and Rocksteady, we've got a new Shredder and Karai. Baxter Stockman. A new Baxter Stockman, and apparently Krang in the freaking Technodrome. Yep. So, so that's uh, hot. <laughs> and as we've seen with... Uh, 
phase other a- action efforts. He doesn't do multiple storylines very well. And yes, I know he's not directing this, but that's still a lot. His fingerprints are all oh, over. Oh, yeah, you can tell this is basically one of his productions. Um, but yeah, th- for this movie, it just did try to do way too much with way too little time. This movie is 87 minutes. It's not even an hour and a half. And it's got multiple plot threads, most of which are really just not all that good. You've got Winters doing shady stuff with the statues. That kind of sounded wrong. Uh, mm. Leo wanting to be a good leader. Raph being a vigilante and going against Leo because, of course, we've got to do that again. April and Casey's relationship, which gets about either three minutes or three lines. which And Casey actually express and actually gets to express a one sentence like I, he's has. You know, it's the whole settling down thing is scary to him. Yeah. Does the movie actually explore it? Nope. No. I, I did like at the very end, after, like, they crashed the turtle van, like, Karai and Casey fall down, and he's sitting next to her, and Abel drops down, and he just shoves Karai to the side. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then he and April kiss. <laughs> yeah, there was an alternate ending where he proposes, but uh, that's... Yeah, all yeah. on the deep And... Then there's the Foot Clan, which I think gets more screen time than Donatello. I think Karai has more lines than he does. I think you're right. Yeah. I, God, like, he was, uh, I mean, honestly, like, Donnie's never been my favorite, but he deserved way better than what this movie gave him. He easily did. And, like, we get, he gets a little exposition. He gets the good one-liner about Winter's name being all over the dart. And the goofy scene with him doing tech support was fun. And then you got Splinter who just kind of randomly shows up and is a crappy teacher. Winters is a crappy villain, but no, he's not really the villain. He just wanted to fix things, but then his statue posse is like, nah, bro, and wants to destroy or take over the world, who knows which, because they're underdeveloped. And the story's just a bit of a mess, and while everything does resolve, it's just like there's very little substance to anything. It's like, was anything really resolved? It's like, okay, Winters gets to die, and Raph and Leo come to an understanding again. Again. And Mikey and Donnie are just like, we're here too! And Mikey's like, I have more lines, because I'm the goofy one. And honestly, I actually kind of was hoping for a sequel to this that could have, you know, now that everything was kind of, you know, back to normal and back to a status quo, and they could have done something with a new story that was more focused. But, obviously, that didn't happen. All right. We'll get to my bad parts after after a quick break. And that's why we'll always be brothers. I love being a turtle. So, was this a Turtles movie in the first place? Well, more than Bay Turtles 1 is. But, like we've said, this seems like two plots smashed together. Like... It's like this is a personal project that had someone started, then it was ordered by the studio to shoehorn in TMT elements. Fine, whatever. And it's don't get me wrong, I don't mind Raphael centric stories, but you can, the writers just loving over Raph here is almost to the it is to the cost of everyone else. Mew is always always the most underdeveloped character in the entire franchise, and we don't even find out why Splinter to send him down here, other than to quote be a better leader. Okay, there's got to be more to it than that. And I'm not saying Raph's continual frustration and natural temper wasn't an important element to the character, but if this is coming from the movie continuity, including... uh, We've dealt with this. Twice and a half over. Raph pretty much came to terms with his anger in the terrible third movie. And like I said, he's had to coach a kid who's been orphaned away from falling into the same pit of vengeance that Raph seems to have to climb out of every time. I get that Raph is feeling frustrated that A, Leo left and didn't come when he was supposed to, and B, Splinter isn't sending them out to knock heads together, even though that's kind of their self-appointed job, so he just does it on his own anyway. So, Leo comes back, and we have the ultimate showdown between the two, and Leo just feels so damn out of place. This is not movie continuity. Leo, in the three movies... When A it was the rivalry was addressed already, but Leo was always kind of the laid he was kind of a laid back leader type. Yeah, Raph could push his buttons, and we do see him angry about it, but he's not 
Leo from the movies is not this follow my orders at all cost type. He's willing to talk things out. So, and this... So Leo full of piss and vinegar here doesn't really make any sense, especially with... Nor does Splinter, ab, Splinter's absolute inability to parent here. Now, if this movie had been set in the O3 continuity, as I mentioned before, where Leo was really starting to lose his cool with himself and his brothers and everything because of their failures to put Shredder 6 under, I could understand it. Hell, Raph himself was calling him out on it in the movie. I could accept this Leo if that was the case. Splinter sending on sabbatical would actually make sense. Let's give Leo a vacation time to refocus and the other three being able to fell on the incompetence without Leo and having to bark orders all the time. So, yeah. That's kind of a weird story here. Yeah. It's just. Overall? Why don't you go first? Okay. Overall, it's okay. It's definitely not a bad movie. As we have said, there's a lot to like about it. The action, what you know, action there is, is very well done, very well choreographed, very well stylized. Most of the voice acting is very good. The animation and overall art style are awesome. Like this movie, like we said, this movie still holds up visually nine years later. But the problem is the story. It just brings down the whole movie. You've got the characters feeling underdeveloped outside of Raph, who seems to have regressed, which, again, we're not sure what continuity this is supposed to be in or if it's supposed to be in, like, some brand new continuity, which makes even less sense that they would do the story like this. And, like I said, I would have liked to see in a sequel because I think they had potential to start a more tightly focused story. But, obviously, we didn't get that. As it stands, if I had to rank it against the other films, I'd say it's right smack dab in the middle. Um, it's not as good as one or two, um, but it's definitely above three and Bertles one. Uh, don't disagree on that. Yeah. It's not a bad movie, but like I said, it doesn't hold a candle to the first 90s movie. I'll say I'll at least say this: this one at least acknowledged that they're ninjas and there's less parent-friendly safe fighting. But the story just kills this for me. I mean, I'll watch it and even happily so. But I w- would have rather seen a proper Leo story, or God help us, a Mikey-centric story. <laughs> He's Mikey is always the kind of the comic relief, but is uh, even the original creators admitted that they don't do much with him. So, besides, Raph and Don have already had their turns respectively in movies one and two. It was past time for the other two to have turns. I don't count three. <laughs> and Vatrels ends up repeating Raph as a central character in its movie, dealing with the same damn things all over again. Granted, it's new continuity, but it even then, it does it really poorly. It's still the same old stuff. Well. Well, you know what I mean. No. Well, it's still it, the same it, old stuff as in let's go back to what worked before. It's kind of like let's do another Spider-Man reboot where he gets his powers again. Thank God they're not uh, doing that this time. Well, that was the best part of one of the better parts of Cavill, uh Civil War where Spidey got introduced. He already had his powers. He and the movie tells us he's been operating for six months. Yep, and we now know how he gets his suit and everything. He's all set up for his own movie, which I actually want to see now. What did I read the other day? I think, was it Michael Keaton was cast as the Vulture? I did hear about so, that, yeah. Uh, so. Alright, but though, that's the first one of the month. So, before we say what's next, then, Jeremy, where can they find us? And people can find us at frustratedpodcast.com. We, are, we have all our entire archive up on there, and we have the list of upcoming episodes. And then you can also find us on iTunes under the Frustrated Fans, and we're in Google Play Podcasts as well as the Frustrated Fans. Okay, sorry to interrupt, but I do need to bring up one thing on the cast I completely missed until now. Hmm. Kevin Smith was the diner cook. Oh, yeah, I knew that. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) For the small part, he was very good. Anyway, but... So that just leaves us what's next. And what's next in the next Internal Month? We are going to cover the character Slash. Yep. Often known as this unofficial fifth turtle. Because, well, he is one. <laughs> um, yep, we're going to cover but him. he's sometimes a villain. He's sometimes an ally. He, but he changes from motivation to motivation. Yep. 
So we're going to cover him in the 1987 show. We're going to talk about his two video game appearances. And we're going to cover his very, very, very different appearance in the new 2012 show, which means i got to go back and rewatch those episodes. And Gosh, how terrible for you. Yep, and not because I don't remember what happens, because they were very good episodes. Well, let's just put it this way. He's much better than in the... In the 12 show, then he ended up being in the, the 87 show. Yeah. <laughs> Which I need to watch, rewatch those because I don't really remember them. Well, right. I'm not going to rewatch Night of the Rogues again. We come back to that episode a lot, don't we? We do. <laughs> All right. See you later, folks. Take care, everyone.